Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio's South Asian show. My name's Gerns, and I'm joined here by Sam. How are you doing? Not too bad, bro. Not too bad. Thank you for having me. So for any of our listeners that might not be aware of you and your music, do you want to just give like a little bit of background about yourself, how you got into music, that sort of thing? I go by the name of Sam. I'm from Northwest London. Um, I've been releasing music for like six years now, but I'd say, yeah, I don't, I don't know the island kid the brown boy from the lane whatever you want to know me as but i think i think i want to say there there's a specific genre that people know me by but i don't think there is i'm capped by genre so yeah i'd just say uh, i want to say a multi-genre artist but i think sam is the sound now so Hmm. that's that's what it is really just come on the journey with me really this year is going to be great yeah i mean i definitely agree with you there i think it's like like you say you're multi-genre it's more the sound because i think every track that you're, you're on it's like it's noticeable you know that it's you but it doesn't have to be like all the same beat or anything it is just the flow and in general like it's got that sam like say sam sound to it so yeah yeah definitely so like you just said obviously we're going to talk mainly about like the future and the future of sam but Mm -hmm. just wanted to do like a quick recap because obviously 2020 was a bit of a write-off for a lot of people but i think in particular 2021 i think was a really good year for you musically i mean you put out like so many singles you had a whole project with prit as well so mm-hmm. i just wanted to um ask on your end how has the past year been um has it been as good as it's looked from the outside some people think you can find your sound overnight and i've released music like i said i've released music for six years and there have been many points in my career thus far where i've thought that yo this is my sound or no this is my sound but then I'd be lying if I didn't say like it is really with this cha-cha release where I can fully finally say that yo no I know how I want to sound on every single track and Sam is the sound now and this is what it is um but having said that yeah last year was defo a great kind of round off of I think the things I wanted to achieve as an artist like I'm no singer I'm no singer but when I'm doing like a joint R&B project with Prit for example like I, I know what we're trying to achieve um and i understand music so it's like for me that was always to on a tick off list to work with a female artist um but also to kind of push myself because um i think i'd like to hopefully think i did justice to myself on the project where like there was not a thing where it's like oh sam was underpinned as a rapper or like and she's a singer like i think it gelled very well nicely together and i think a lot of people didn't expect that from me but um then even going through the year like it's me not you that was crazy like I think that did exactly what I wanted it to do and I was glad for the track itself I don't I don't know if people really took time to really delve into and realize I think it was a great way to showcase two different cultures for me um like I've always understood that I'm in a black music space and I've always been so grateful and I think it was a great testament to the fact that I cool um the genre is such of dancehall, but it's like, cool, we sampled a Tamil song, for example. And um, then the whole TikTok transition challenge going crazy and the whole Tamil saying, hello, hi, everyone. Like, that was, that's really the first time in my music career I've really kind of mentioned any little um, little something about being Tamil or like being that, yeah, Tamil or whatever. So I think it was great to receive that kind of like engagement too as well. My last year was definitely a lot more consistency and I just want to be in people's face and I could do so because I had a catalogue and a backlog of singles 
So a lot of those songs that actually came out last year, like, were songs that I had, like, well, years ago. Like, in Take Two, for example, Drowning was, like, made three years prior, like, two years prior. So, like, stuff like that, I think it obviously it can always be seen as, okay, they're releasing it now, but they weren't sitting there. Whereas this year, I think a lot of the music you're going to hear are new, current, and defo, the sound that I want to portray for the rest of my career and i hope it's a long one so yeah for sure and i think in terms of like consistency as well i think one thing that i like about what you do is even when you're not putting out singles you're always completely active on socials like every other week i'll see you like jumping on like oh how many um this things can i name in this freestyle that i've just put up and it's just little things like that show like how much you actually enjoy doing it and also like showcasing your talent as well and also you like i've seen you like hopping on keys and stuff as well like so Mm -hmm. it's very clear that even though like we'll agree to disagree on that i think you're a decent singer anyway but like (laughs) but like even if you're gonna say that like you clearly are like musically talented and it's really nice to see that you're doing it and you're not just that's the thing it's consistency but it's not just churning out stuff for the sake of it as well i think that's the right way to be but yeah coming on to um 2022 cha-cha which you said now is the sound that you want to embody for the rest of the year and foreseeable future so could you can you put it into words as to what it actually is about it i think i think it's not a genre it's it's not a genre here i think like you described it perfectly i think it's i want people to be able to know that whatever genre that i jump on whether that be an r&b soul um whether that be uh, an afro dance or like summer hit whether that be maybe a slow down maybe like bedroom kind of vibe like you can still authentically know that you can hear something and be like okay that's sound. so i think this year's therefore i'd advise all my listeners to listen out to more of the musicality behind it um i'm I feel like a lot of these tracks, like Cha Cha, for example, I was heavy on the co-production. Um, you mentioned like I play keys and stuff. Like I play like I play like quite a few instruments, whether I show it or not, and stuff like that. And behind the scenes, I've always had input on like production or like the mixing my voice. I'm quite hands-on with the process, and I don't really show enough of that, which I'm doing so this year. But um, because of that, I feel like a lot more of these tracks are homegrown in terms of like it's homegrown sound like it's not a simple uh task of me just sort of going studio like picking a beat that i got sent and then doing, i'm making this stuff from scratch so it's like and i'm part of the process in every single shape way or form so i think that's what i mean like when i say the sam sound i feel like a lot of these songs are like uh better and truer versions and embodiments of myself mm-hmm. um inside them it's not it's not capped to a genre like i've got hella stuff coming out this year but it's slappers only that's what it is yeah i said it i said it enough times last year like hinting it like this year but it's slappers only like i'm i i'm not even gonna sit here and cap and say oh my god i'm i'm making songs for like for you to listen to on your way to work i'm making songs that even if you listen to on your way to work you want to skank out to or you want to bop your head to and you can't help but get that catchy hook out of your head like i'm i'm coming for that like that's that's what i'm i'm saying speaking about um like embodying yourself through your music as well um Mm -hmm. was that the reason why you chose to obviously do the music video rain is laying like very authentic to you that sort of thing as like your first single of 2022 and of this new era almost yeah 100 i think i've always told people like yeah i'm from northwest london but i haven't really like 
being an, like, I'm, I'm big on community and bringing people together like and I think like they say like home is where the heart is like how have you not even started in your own community and there is such like a brilliant community I've, I've I've always loved growing up where I've grown up because I always think it's like one of the most multicultural places like it's like and it's always been quite together like I don't see a lot of like cliqueiness and stuff like that so um yeah I think it's just I just wanted to pay testament to that and yeah just really kind of go with this whole island kid brown boy from the lane thing I think like like I want to I want people to look back and realize yo he's a product of this kind of environment I wanted to I wanted to make a fun American style R&B video but in ends that was the brief that I had in my head um and then it just I just wanted it to be fun man and in the end it was fun and in the end I was gasped because like all the people that you see in the video whatever are just genuinely my friends like and they're people that I respect in music as well so yeah it's great yeah no I think it was definitely a vibe and I think you can tell that you felt very comfortable there. Like I think with some artists, you'll see them going to like a particular area for a shoot and you can tell like they're basically going to a place that isn't, it's it's not for them and it's not like it, they're just going there for like the atmosphere. Whereas you could see how comfortable you were there and around like all your friends and it was just you. Yeah, I think that was a really nice way to start off the year, definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't, I don't, I don't want, this year, I think a bigger part of me is like, I think I've shied away from it in like six years of releasing like, yo, sometimes there's the artist's version of you and then there's the personal version of you. I think this year I'm I'm definitely a lot more kind of freer and just kind of like on vibes, just like, yo, this is me. Like, I'm, I don't really give as much of a, excuse my language, but give as much of an F about what the perception is. I just genuinely want to like, be me and if that's like making a fun record like i genuinely enjoy making these records and the difference is i think that if you really dig deep into the musicality of it they're still musical records like they're not to be looked down upon on like a well but the the musicality or the penmanship isn't there they're still there and i think that's what's that's what i feel is lacking in music right now like even the little stuff like all of my songs this year i can say this now are going to have vibey outros yeah that was it actually yeah i thought the song had ended and then it was like 30 more seconds or something just to play yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like i'm and it's like outros that like i want i've got songs that without giving too much away they're like big big anthems but then like the last 13 15 seconds is like some acoustic piano just going off on vocals like i wanted to hit them like oh don't expect it but i think that used to be a thing like if you looking back in the day like top of the pops like in the charts like a lot of these songs used to have outros and stuff and now it's just kind of like songs just repeat on a double hook and then they end off i honestly feel like it's kind of gone and come back because obviously back in the day there used to be like two minute odd songs purely for the sake of radio play and then it kind of like you say gone to that era of people being a lot more experimental and now it's sort of going backwards like back yeah. to that being just being short as possible i think yeah it's like even I find it like I'm like most of the songs I'm dropping this year are really short. Like I think for me, the I can't I don't even know if I can consume three minute songs anymore. So maybe I'll become like a victim of the of the whole society thing, but I don't even know if I can I can consume as as easy as it was back in the day. Um so like yeah, like but yeah, the outro thing for me, that's just it's a, it's gonna be a touch of Sam, I feel like, for every single track. You touched on before about how you um sampled the Tamil song for um, It's Me Not You mm -hmm. and apart from that 
I would say that your music in general, although you're obviously, you are brown, you're of Tamil heritage, it's not distinctly Tamil, yet I feel like a lot of the support that you get, which you're obviously very deserving of, comes from Asian stations, Asian platforms. Um, I just wonder, how do you feel about that? Because obviously it's a great thing that you're getting so much attention because you like mm-hmm. I say, you very much deserve it, yet for me, like when I look at you, sometimes I, I, I get frustrated because I see that, oh, your music like could be played on these other platforms and deserves like the same amount of attention, if not more attention than other songs that are getting it. Yet some sometimes I feel like sort of like boxed in off into different areas, you know what I mean? Firstly, I think the support, I don't think to ever feel a type of way about any support is a kind of very shallow attitude. Like I'm so grateful for the support of the Asian community. I think it is a big thing to even support someone who's, um, I think the this thing, I think the misconception is, I think a lot of people think, okay, cool we're Asian, we're brown, he has to make Asian music or he has to be singing in that language or making Desi music or making Tamil music. And I think that like a lot of people aren't prepared for the conversation of why is it that there are no British homegrown artists that are brown, like included in the same conversations of Stormzy, Dave, Adele, Ed Sheeran. And it's like, that is my goal. Like, and I think a lot of people, even I'm, I'm Tamil and I'll be the first to say, like, I think a lot of people, because, oh, but, but MIA, you know, I'm just like, how many people actually know a whole like three MIA albums back to back? Do you understand? Whilst you still claim like that's that's meant to be your homegrown princess and you're not you're not claiming it, do you understand? So it's like for me, I never started making music on a I want to make this song and I only want brown people to mess with it. I only want Asians to mess with it. I I have goal. I, I want to be global and I, I think I want everybody to be able to digest my music, which is why like I would love to be able to speak like even my mother tongue uh, on a track, but sadly, like that just isn't very me. And I couldn't barely speak it, do you understand? So for me to sing it, that would be crazy. I hope like one day, like in the future, I can learn and maybe incorporate more stuff. But for me, just me being brown is enough. Do you understand? Like I I am British, but like I am Asian. That's not gonna change. Like I am brown, that doesn't change. And you know, so I think having that support is great but same way like you're saying I think here like I do definitely think like I make a lot of music that I can hear on radios um, alongside some of these great artists that I look up to who may or may not be Asian Um, and currently we are underrepresented that is just the facts of the matter like that it's not a beat around the bush sort of topic it's very much like yeah cool but thankfully those conversations are changing in a lot of bigger places and I hope that I can be part of that shift um, so that it's a lot easier for those 16, 15 year olds who are dreaming in their rooms right now that they want to do music. And then like, yo, their job is a little bit easier and they have to go through less barriers because something simple like, oh, they're brown and they should be making brown music. So that's what it is over there. Like, um, So yeah, I think the narrative shift, I think is changing and it's, it's a great place of music. And what you can really do is keep pushing out but yeah in terms of getting support from asian stations i'm i'm fully grateful for that stuff like i think i think it's amazing that they can they can back me i just hope that they continue to support me and continue to propel me to the levels that i want to be at on a global level as well so yeah no i think that was really well said and it sort of like touched on maybe the last thing that i was going to ask you which was talked about this sam sound for 2022 but what would you say your general 
aspirations are for 2022 and beyond? In like smaller steps, I think without giving too much away, like definitely by the end of the year, um, we can expect like a Sam headline show um, soon um, in London somewhere, hopefully, um, and somewhat of a tour that I'm kind of planning. Um, that is all we see. It's just like a terms and conditions apply based on how I'm doing kind of thing. But um, yeah, that's definitely a thing. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you're going to get a project this year because it is just a singles only campaign. Um, but like I said, it's a slappers only. So if you're in the mood for slappers, then you're going to consistently get slappers. So I don't want any of the songs that I released this year to die out anytime soon. And I don't think they would, um, which is why I'm releasing them. But um, in terms of, yeah, a long-term plan, um, I've got projects there. I've got songs there. And um they're not going anywhere anytime soon. There are a lot of songs, like I said, I've kept onto or held onto because I know they're better suited for a project when I want to dish out more of my personal life or when I want to give a bigger piece of me to my fans and my listeners. Um, because it's a journey. So I think this is this is kind of like me, even though I didn't really take a break and I was still releasing, and that's what everybody was seeing. Behind the scenes, I was really taking a break mentally. So, and I think this is a big refresh for me. And this year is just like, all right, cool. F5, refresh, boom, we're back. And this is how I want it to be. Um, so I just hope, yeah, everybody can join me on this journey. Really. Sweet. So if they do want to join you on this journey, where's the best place for them to find you and your music? So it's at Sam Noir um, on pretty much everything, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever you use. Um, that's Noir, that's N-X-I-R-E. So Sam Noir, um, it should be S.A.M. if you search me up, um, all in caps on Spotify or streaming services and YouTube. Right. Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio's South Asian show. My name's Gerns. I'm joined here by Halima and Simran. Um, Hi. In case you can't tell, we're all a bit tired. <laughs> we're we're a very sleepy episode of Mango Masala. Yeah, Mango Masala, chill. We should do, oh, you know, like CBBs, like bedtime. No. <laughs> I have a bit old mate. I know, I know there's a few years difference between us, but I don't. <laughs> you, mean, you mean like in the night garden? And that's no, how they do their like bedtime book reading. Oh, but you know they make it they make it really weird and they get like um they'll get like celebrities that guy from like bridgerton and they've had like um who am i trying to think of uh, what's the name that everyone fancy tom hardy they've gotten like all of those people like, do this. One time. and then they make it like weird and like sensual and like you know kind of geared towards the mums oh, yeah. so why have you been watching this no, I've seen them. They put um the guy from Bridgerton. I don't know what his name is. They his one. They made them watch it on Gogglebox. That's how I knew they did it. And obviously, everyone on Gogglebox was like, "Ooh!" And I was like, "This is weird." Fair enough. Why well, you want us to do that now? No, no, no. no. I'm just saying it's weird. Well, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, Halima, how was your weekend? Your weekend off last week. It was nice. So two of my friends came from London for like a long weekend. One of them had come to Manchester, had visited Manchester already. <clears throat> and one, it was her first time here. And 
so they, they came out Thursday night. So we had like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like just chilling. <clears throat> we actually went to Liverpool in one of the days. But on the Friday, I was just showing them around like city centre and stuff like that. Tell me why this girl within like three hours of walking around was like, I'm moving here. I'm moving here. Like she's, she genuinely is going to try and move here now. That's like, nice. She loves it here. She literally loves it here. And yesterday, so Simran has been in the traffic centre today. So yesterday we went to a traffic centre before they went back. And she was like, I feel like I'm in another country. She was so impressed. Like, you can't get this in. I, I was stood. Oh, was it your first time, Simran? Yeah. Every three seconds. I was like. <laughs> so she was like, as well. I was it, uh, Dubai. I kept saying like I'm on holiday it was the palm trees the fountains yeah, like, like, very, like grand like, architecture and stuff I'm just like this doesn't even feel like England at all that's it is nice I won't lie the shops the shops were a bit underwhelming I mean they're just shop like the shops you get yeah the Westfield's better I think in London but the vibe of traffic center was pretty lit yeah, I feel like growing up here, like, we, we've been obviously got, like, Travis Centre has just been there, like, my whole life. I feel like we take for granted, so I don't know if you feel like this, Carlos, but we take for granted a little bit, like, the fact that we actually have this, like, amazing shopping centre. Yeah, like, and again, like Simon was saying, it's not necessarily the shops that make it amazing, it's more the whole, it's it's just interesting, it's like, a, pal- it's like a palace, isn't it? Yeah, the food bit's cool, like, the downstairs and the, I don't know, cinema, like, games and stuff, that bit's really cool. And then the whole, like, bit where the actual shops are just is. I'm in Dubai. <laughs> and it's free, free parking. Free parking. Yeah, I, oh my God, <laughs> we parked and I was like, okay, let's let's um, get a ticket and pay. And they were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, no. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. And then as we were leaving, I was like, are you guys sure like you're not having me on? There's got to be machines or you pay somewhere. And I was expecting like eight, 10 pounds for parking. Cause like in Westfield, I've been to Westfield for like three hours and I pay like eight pounds parking. Like it's ridiculous. Um, I was expecting like, yeah, and free parking. It's crazy. Long live the North, baby. I think it's nearly shut down a couple of times. So I think COVID especially hit it hard. Like it was going to shut down at one point recently. No way. That would be devastating. I can't. But like, there's this thing where I think Southerners come to the North and it's so different from the South, especially London that we just fall in love like so like your friend me with Liverpool did the same thing and my friend who's also from Slough went to Newcastle for the first time last week and she was like I just could not believe it like she just fell in love with it she was like I want to move there she was like legit like starting to look at flats and stuff and I was like I don't know but I don't know about Newcastle (laughs) and Liverpool and them and there but Manchester hmm the (laughs) second city you know what there's actually this BBC documentary about like the explosive growth in Manchester you know the population is set to grow um double it's set to double in the next five years yeah Carlos spoke about this and he said he hates it because the southerners are coming up and I'm the only one that's allowed yeah Yeah, don't get it wrong Simran you're welcome and Halima your friend can stay but the rest of them yeah it's a, bit, it's a bit and it's also a bit kind of like it's a bit techie it's a bit give and take right like it's it's nice like kind of seeing the development in the city like it's nice to see kind of certain levels of investment certain levels of development it's a very very exciting time to be in a city but also there's another part of it where I, so this is what the documentary was explored. I haven't watched it all but like I've seen clips about kind of 
whether this is going to turn into London essentially like the rate of foreign mm. investment has already increased like exponentially what I'm worried about is because so obviously I grew up in that inner city Manchester um, and that's where all my family still live like um, my, my base is very much still there um, and I'm worried about how the expansion of the city will kind of cause gentrification of these areas you already see a little bit in areas like ankles and stuff like that which were residential areas um and now they're just full of kind of like apartment blocks and yeah skyscraper type buildings yeah and 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 you know if, if you hear a figure like okay the city's population is actually double the next five years and yeah it could bring a lot of good things with it you know the common it will boost the economy and of course in terms of like leisure and <clears throat> and commerce and all those kind of stuff yeah definitely there'll be an injection but also I, the, the gentrification side of it which does really really worry me and, and and also the displacement of like local people from the inner city areas because we know typically in this country it is like immigrants and and ethnic people that live so i i grew up and all my family still live in an area called Longside, which is like 72 percent non-white um and it's obviously like poverty is quite high in that area crime, crime is quite high and as a result of that kind of rent and house prices are relatively low and I just worry about how the rate of development or the scope of de- development will affect somewhere like Longside and how it would affect the lives of the local people who have been here for decades and decades you know yeah I think you already see that in areas other than Longside maybe slightly more closer to the city you see this already happening in terms of and particularly students or recent graduates because obviously those are the affordable places um, Mm. and once they're able to look past the um, maybe um, more negative sides of those areas in terms of the high crime rate etc then ultimately they they kind of view as it being a bit trendy um yeah. a bit quirky and then they're like well yeah. it's it's cheap it's cool why wouldn't i live here but then ultimately the more people that move there the more th- these um the original inhabitants end up getting displaced yeah yeah so yeah. i'm a little bit nervous about that but we shall see what happens just don't move to longside simran I'm just saying, as a southerner that wants to move yeah, to the north, I don't know how to insert myself in this conversation. I would be standing guard like, to ask my permission. Ask I'm me not. personally, take permission from me. I, well, I, I want to move to Liverpool, so I don't think we have a problem there yet. But I was saying, like, to buy a house where I live, it's impossible. Like, to get on the housing ladder there is just like, you have to be on some crazy money. Like, guys, you know what? There's no there way even... you can really do it. I'm even going to bring up, I, I saw this statistic, let me, I'm going to try and find it actually, yeah, um, I saw this graph. I see why, like, there is the appeal of moving to the north, and it's so different, which is why I think it comes across as, like, quirky. Hmm. I think that- like, a lot of my friends, when they come, they say what they like about Manchester is that it is, um, it is like London, there's not much that you can do somewhere like London that you can't do in Manchester, but it's just a lot slowed down, a lot more affordable. Yeah. I can't find the graphic that I was looking for, but I remember from the top of my head that um, it was like a it was like a, a table of like the average deposit prices um, across by region in this country. And London, the average deposit is like 150k. And in Manchester, it's like guess, guys, guess. 
I, I, I did see this, but I forgot. And it's less than 60, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah half is at 32k. Yeah. It's five times less than the average deposit price in London. How, how, I, my brain really struggles yeah. with that because the difference like, is not that, is not that drastic. Hearing of people that buy houses for like less than £200,000, right? And fair enough, like those houses are probably in like quite rural places. That to me blew my mind when I heard of someone. Someone yeah, um, that's that went to in Manchester. With, that's yeah, Manchester. Someone that went to school with one of the girls I lived with bought a house for like a hundred grand. And I was like, no, I don't know about hundred, but no, you did it. It was in Wales. It was in North Wales, um, and I was like, "No, like that. That for me, no, that's just not real." In like, I swear that the starting price of a house and like, not like a one with loads of bedrooms or loads of amenities nearby or anything like crazy about it is like three, four hundred grand. Yeah, no, the thing that I find quite mad is that obviously understand inflation is a thing i understand the way that that works but just the concept that a few generations ago like our parents generation they were buying houses for or, or like say our, our grandparents generation were like we're buying houses for like in the tens of thousands <laughs> like and, and, and like actual nice houses like it's mad like I, I again i know inflation i know that obviously that has that happens but still like it's crazy it is crazy so like i have i actually i can't remember this the other day and i have like a pretty even split between my friends in manchester and my friends in london i have i have just a slightly more friends in london but it's very really really interesting to see like the difference between so like <clears throat> my friends in manchester like people that i went to school with um I, I log on to facebook and every day it's a new person that i went to school with they've bought a house you know like they've got yeah. their own they moved on with their partner and, and whatever else like in manchester it's very very feasible to get a three to four bedroom house between 150 and 200k um and then you have like my friends in london they can't even afford to move out of their parents house like renting a place yeah. buying a place they can't even afford to rent a place mm. so yeah the, the the difference is is scary is scary have you thought about where in liverpool you'd like to live simran we were flat hunting the other day and there was like city centre apartments for like less than like five hundred pounds a month or something. Yeah. But they were just like between like three, four of us. It was just like crazy. They were like two grand or something a month. And I was like, they, they were beautiful. I was like, what two grand can get you in like Slough or like the outskirts of London? Mm-hmm. Is nothing compared to that. And it obviously, you're in the city well. centre. You're walking distance. Yeah. Like I used to work um, at an estate agent, so we I had to like deal with like people coming in and had to do like a lot of like affordability calculators based on their um, wages and like they would obviously disclose that to me and I would then be able to tell them what they could afford and like how many based on how many bedrooms they needed or how many kids they had like that kind of stuff and obviously near train stations near shops near schools and stuff like that so I can't even count how many times I had to break it to people that they couldn't afford what they were looking for and it was so sad because it wasn't that they were not making load not loads but like not making enough money or like a significant amount of money it's just the location and what can you do like you can't really relocate depending on the jobs and skill levels and the kids schools and stuff like that it's not always possible to just move somewhere cheaper it was actually heartbreaking i know that's the conversation a lot like my black friends have about um when they kind of get to a certain age and they start thinking about getting on the property ladder and you know, because London is so affordable, the way, the, the, the next feasible way 
for them to own a property to get on the property ladder is to look outside of London and then it's kind of like for them it becomes a trade-off between community and mm-hmm. being, a, being a property owner you know and, and you can't just forsake community because you know especially like I mean if you're, if you're an ethnic person in general but especially I guess like if you're black you can't just go and settle anywhere in this country you have to have like you really have to I remember even even me like when I was at uni um because I did my undergrad at Warwick and most of the students so Leamington Spa is like the the student it's like the um it's that Fallowfield in Manchester is that where all the students live and I purposely lived in Coventry city centre which is a how how to say it without swearing a dump there we go in your opinion I'm not going to get done for that. My guy, Coventry is is... listening. You're going to come and get, um, actually, I'm I'm not going to finish that sentence anyway. (laughs) It's not not exactly. Tarsalu is going to come for you. (laughs) I do love him. Sorry, pal. But it's not, it's not exactly, you know, enthralling. Let's just put it like that. But I still purposely chose to live there because I'd rather be amongst like ethnic communities than being Leamington. Someone else. And you know, and, and it's and it's and it's terrible that you have to make that trade-off. Like I once went on a social um at Warwick Uni and um yeah, and they went out afterwards in Leamington Spa and you got smacked. No, but like even the um the houses are all white, <laughs> literally like that. And there's a statue of Queen Victoria outside of this town hall. Imagine what in third year I did end up living there because all my friends, it was just I realized like even though I would feel more comfortable in Coventry for my social life, it was just ridiculous, like getting back and forth because they're quite far. Um and imagine what it must have taken for me to walk past that statue every day and not egg it. Just to be clear, guys, she's not admitting to ever doing that. If if anyone ever has so egg, the I I was I was in Barnsley today for the first time in my life, picking up my Barnsley? friend. Yeah, picking up my friend, and he's Asian, right? He's Punjabi, um, and he was basically saying that like, in school, him and his brother were the only coloured people in the whole school. That's like, obviously, nice. they're brothers. Um, and then like growing up, that was how it was, and they like they got basically bullied because they had like long hair because they're Sikh and they had like the tied up at the top um so they got like bullied for that kind of stuff there was like so many racist remarks and then even driving around like literally just like I kind of just like touched Barnsley hardly went in it went back out again um the amount of houses with like England flags in the window and it was just like you just you know you just get the vibe and I was just like yeah. I'm getting out of here that's my worst nightmare and also like <clears throat> Community is one thing. Like having having people from your community around you is one thing. It's another thing having to freeze all your meat because you have to go back to Manchester to buy meat because there's no halal butchers in Leamington. That's another thing entirely. It's another thing having to trek to like Coventry and and and, and go home back to Manchester to get spices. <laughs> like, do you know how hard that is? Why didn't you go to Birmingham? That's still far. Like even Birmingham, yeah, even after go Birmingham, that's still far. Like. Yeah, yeah, he shouldn't have to go that far just to yeah. get some, like. You know what I mean, yeah. like, and me, I can't, I can't eat just doing a, you know, Tesco shop. I need, and I, I need like Bengali ingredients to eat Bengali food, like. You know, that's actually a really good video idea, like for Salima to eat unseasoned food for a month. <laughs> Stop it! The weight that I would, <laughs> for a month. goodness gracious, the weight that I would lose. Mm-mm. 
What if it's sponsored? I mean, I would do it, <laughs> but it would I'll be miserable for a month. Sponsored by who? Tesco. Tesco, if you're listening, sponsor us. <laughs> I was gonna say something bad. Yeah. Moving on. And text it in the group, everyone. Anyway, um basically rounding off this point of discussion, the north is better than the south, in our opinion. The yeah, end. girl. As a southerner, I back that so it's fine. I've never now. heard anyone say anything otherwise. Genuinely, I actually haven't. Yeah. I think the only people that say that are the people that haven't ever left the South. Yes, exactly. exactly. That, yeah, that's what I meant. People I that haven't like left the South. I mean, like people that went to Southern unis, were from Slough like me, went to school with me, but came and visited me in Liverpool, even for like two nights, opinion changed. Like they were instant as soon as they got there they were like wow the people are nice this is nicer it's a happier vibe like it's um it's nicer to walk around like you feel safer like big up the north you move in there after your master simran i would like to we're flat hunting i obviously i'm doing my disc till september so i'm not really going to be like working enough to make enough money to like pay rent yet so i'm probably going to have to go back to slough for a bit um and then i want to like work full-time make enough money to like pay rent and then i'll start flat hunting up near you guys yes guys welcome back this is mango masala the south asian show my name is gins i'm joined here by halima and simran we're all really hi. tired hi so but we're gonna give you guys the load on on a little bit of a deeper topic now relationships and more specifically growth in relationships now we were meant to kind of get into this in valentine's which was a few weeks back but um if you remember yeah technical difficulties completely out of our control but well, we won't get into it but um halima i'll come to you first because obviously you were kind of well, i want to hear from you first because oh. you're engaged <laughs> Wow, okay, right. So you you're gonna like say, like, right, I want to hear about yeah. growth and relationships, but I want everyone else to go right. Okay. Right. So on ask go yeah, on. Yeah, because you're like the more senior like relationship expert, isn't it? See, well, see, I'll take it. Right, go on then. Interview me. What do you think? Just just as a opening statement, how like what do you think about this notion of growth in relationships? Do you think it's important? Do you think relationships should help you grow? Do you think you should come as a fully formed person already? What's your opinion? I think that if you're not growing as part of a relationship, then you are doing it wrong. Because I think really? ultimately, yeah, no, I think like a relationship, you're spending so much time with one other person, it would be weird if that wasn't having some kind of impact on you and if it's a negative impact then obviously that's a sign that you shouldn't be in the relationship anymore but what it should be is it should be a positive impact Um, and that doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be even be major but it I think relationships should kind of teach you a bit more about yourself I think that's something I found as well anyway like regardless actually of positive or negative impact um, something I've learned is like by being in a relationship um so I actually like if I don't give a cry I'm pretty sure I give this impression off on radio anyway but I am a bit of a goody two shoes I've always had a reputation for being like um really like nice and quiet and whatever but 
actually, yeah, and by the book, um, as emphasis on that because I, I very much like follow the rules and therefore kind of expect the world back from everyone. But what I've kind of learned from being in a relationship is actually that I can actually be really selfish. Like I can, like I, um, I find it really hard to put other people's needs before mine and the reason why I've learned this is because um I I always thought like oh yeah I'm a really good person yet when I was being a good person that's me doing what I think is best for them yeah but but like also it's me doing what I think is best for them not necessarily what is actually best for them because I'm not taking into consideration so when I'm in a relationship now and someone else is kind of wanting me to do something different to what I think is actually the correct way forward I find it really hard to actually or or when someone needs more from me than what I was originally prepared to give like I find that quite hard and I've got a lot better at it but I think it's something that I've like learned a lot about myself and I think that's that is something that you relationship should do for you they should point out the positives and negatives in your own in being and there should be motivation to change them and work on them if necessary 100 yeah I think it's a really kind of like tricky balance between between not accept from the perspective of a woman right so kind of generally here women are socialized to be kind of like nurturers right like women are socialized to be kind of like the anchors and the backbones of a relationship like women are socialized to keep a relationship going and men are socialized to be like the providers they they kind of just generally right um and i think as a result of that women are and also women have the burden of virtue in a way that men don't have so women are kind of expected to kind of just stay at home and they're expected to be perfect in every way right educated domesticated a good wife a good mother a good cook a good like cleaner all of these things and men just kind of in my experience and from what i've seen you know just come as they are and expect the world from women and I think that, and, and also not to even then go into the topic of kind of like infidelity and, and all of those things as well, where men are kind of socialized to be more sexually promiscuous than women and less faithful than women and kind of just get away with it. Um, so I think women are socialized to, ex- and because a woman's worth is often tied to her like marital status or her relationship status, I think women are socialized to accept um, what you call like struggle love right like struggling in the name of love like struggling to have a partner struggling in the relationship i.e their partner the the male like kind of i'm talking obviously heterosexual relationships where you know the male is kind of a little bit of a deadbeat and the woman should just accept it because her worth is tied to to, to that relationship um and i think it's a really and, and that is something that i would advocate any woman to never to never accept to put their foot down to never ever, ever ever condone but having said that i think it's a really tricky balance between not accepting struggle love and and putting down your boundaries and knowing your worth as a woman and understanding that if, if more time if you're in a hetero, heterosexual relationship with a man you're just gonna have to go through like a teaching period like you are just gonna have to teach them because men are just socialized to be less emotionally mature less emotionally intelligent in general than women 
right and that for me in my personal life and any any relationship that I've ever witnessed had, has been a universal case I've actually never ever seen witnessed known about any relationship where a man has been more emotionally intelligent than a woman right so I think it's really hard to get that balance right between okay you know this man he didn't know these things before he's he's willing and he's open to learning I have to now be patient and, comp and compassionate and go through a process of kind of teaching them these things but not letting it edge into the territory of this is struggle love I'm just struggling now you know mm -hmm. yeah definitely that's a really interesting perspective and it does make a lot of sense hearing it back um coming to you Simran I know obviously you said that you didn't necessarily have much to offer in terms of like the romantic relationship side of things but like I said last week doesn't growth in relationships doesn't necessarily have uh -huh. to pertain to romantic relationships yeah I think growth in friendships as well is a really important thing to discuss so is there anything that you can reflect on from your past in terms of that I think like it does parallel a lot of what you have said in terms of like setting boundaries and communicating and like setting expectations for yourself and of others and what you deserve as a person knowing your worth and kind of like not settling for less than that but not expecting the world of other people I think that applies across the board with platonic relationships as well I think it's just maybe the effect is slightly more diluted because obviously you spread that over multiple people most of the time instead of maybe just one person that you commit yeah. a significantly like larger amount of energy into I think growth wise though like it's interesting because you can grow with friends and you know people come and go in your life and but you know you might have people in your life that like I definitely do have that I've known for years and we're still so 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 tight even though we're all in different life circumstances now especially all like graduating and coming out of uni and going down different paths it's interesting to see how who you value and how that translates in terms of like making plans spending time even something as simple as like a phone call while you're going for a walk or something like that like making sure that those ties are still solid and I think that for the opposite side of that conversation when you outgrow a certain person in a platonic relationship it doesn't necessarily mean that like there's bad blood you know it can it doesn't have to be like a big breakup or like negative feelings towards one another you can simply just outgrow the circumstances that a relationship thrived in previously maybe they're just not available to either of you anymore and it's okay and i think that's something that needs to be a bit more like widely accepted that it's not like there's no hateful feelings towards one another you can still be like civil you can still like interact here and there have a catch-up how you guys doing and stuff like that but it doesn't have to be like maybe as intense of a relationship as it once was previous yeah, yeah I, I, I have this conversation a lot actually about like adult friendships and I think okay this is now a separate topic but like I think in ad adult friendships I mean actually no it's not because it's still about growth I think any good adult friendship requires a truckload of com um, compassion and grace I don't think that you can mm. because when you're young yeah I feel like when you're young, you're a teenager, you're so obsessed with your friends, isn't it? Like me, I was so obsessed with my friends all day, every day, my friends, my friends, my friends, everything, my friends, seeing them all the time. And then you get older and there's responsibilities. And especially if you then kind of move into a serious and committed romantic relationship and you have kind of have to split your priorities and, and, and the time and the effort and, and the time and the effort and the energy that you physically have, you can't give them that same energy as you did before, right? But I think it's, it's, it's about the grace in, in, in knowing that and not being offended when your friend can't always kind of, 
me you know what like every friend that I have I know for a fact is a friend for life every friend that I have is uh, has been my friend for years and I know that because my guy when I I'm 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 I am a notoriously bad texter for example I can't text like even you guys you'll see I I sometimes just don't reply like our group chat and it's not even because like And it's not even because I'm like being intentionally neglectful or I'm not interested. I'm not making an effort. I just, I can't text. I find it like, I just can't do it. I don't know if that's something to do with my ADHD or what. I just can't text. However, I'll be the first person to like make efforts, make time and efforts, like see my friends, right? That's how I prefer to have my friendships. Like every, like having frequent meetups every now and again, you know, when we're both available, I can't text. And, and, and all my friends know that. So when I, when, and cause I do, you know, frequently just stop replying in the middle of a conversation, they're not going to get offended. They, they're extending that grace onto me. Right. And that's why th- that is a friendship for life. I think as with romantic and platonic relationships, it's about, recognizing that people communicate in like sorry people show affection in different ways but the key thing is communication like the key thing is that you know that your friends know that about you that you might not be so great with texting but you know other people might be great with texting other people might not want to link up as much as often but uh, will be happy for a phone call or something all the time like I'm not a phone call person I don't like phone calls they make me nervous but I love to I'll text my friends all day long and I'll meet up with them all day long so like, I think it's like different, I don't like the term love languages because that sounds too like A, corny and B, like restrictive. No, it's true, it's true, it's true. People show that affection in different ways and being respective and mindful of other people's ways of showing that is I think the key <coughs> as well as communicating that with like, I don't know if you guys agree, but like in romantic relationships as well, but especially in platonic ones, I think when, you know, the circumstances don't always align that you can always see each other because of like location or jobs or personal commitments and stuff. Like, I think it's harder to make plans with friends rather than romantic partners because there's obviously less, maybe there's less like, I don't want to say entitlement, but there's less like ex- expectation to see one another yeah. in a friendship compared to a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. So like you have to really sometimes, well, you know, now with like people working and social calendars and stuff that like, you really have to like, put effort in to see someone even it's even if it's for an hour like coffee break yeah 100 100 the thing is as well is that we're obviously living in changing times and the notion of what friendship um and also relationships in general meant 30 years ago is completely changed compared to now um i'm thinking mainly in terms of with the growth of social media and texting and everything. And it's so much easier to contact people now on a be and be in contact with them on a regular basis. Um, and rightly or wrongly, that then comes with almost more of an obligation that you therefore will make more effort to actually um, remain in contact with that person. And I think I think most of the time that isn't wrongly and it's a bit toxic in terms of there's this constant requirement that you will be readily available and mm-hmm. respond to people straight away and mm-hmm. um, all of this. Whereas if you think about, say, 30 years ago, um, when people... You didn't have instant messaging like that. Yeah, I find that so mad to think about. Like the fact that 
you would say to someone, okay, let's meet this place at this time. And that's all they'd have to go off. Maybe they could ring your home. Maybe they could ring your home number or something to let you know if they couldn't make it or something like that. They would just be there. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's all you, you had to go by that. You couldn't, you couldn't like do anything else. And like say like long distance relationships as well. You could maybe talk on the phone, but like, that's it. You couldn't like see each other's faces. You couldn't text all the time, all of that. And I think, almost that almost maybe was better i know obviously it's so much um it's so much better for a lot of people now because they enjoy seeing their partners and friends so much more than they would be able to but on the other hand at least there wasn't that obligation for Mm, you to do that constantly yeah it helps Mm. like demarcate like priorities right Mm. and like this is the time that i've put aside for a phone call this is the time where i put this is it's not going to yeah. lead into kind of like other 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 times and other spaces, right? And I think I you were saying before the the thing about the obligation. Thankfully, as I said, my friends are my friends because I, they don't put that obligation on me. If they did, I know the friendship wouldn't it would just crumble, right? Yeah. But there are instances with with other people and other friendships, you know, where people expect that because you have your phone or you're on your phone that that means you're available, and they don't understand that that can still be your personal mm. time, that can still be your off time, that can still be your yeah. down. Yeah. just being on your phone does not mean you're available I've, I've seen like I, I think it was written like in a nicer way but like it was like a quote kind of thing on Instagram and it was like free like just because it's free time doesn't mean that it's available to be spent with other people like free time yeah. also like means that you need to spend it with yourself and you people have priorities and things to do and chores and errands and as well as self-care and like you know just taking a minute out and personal hobbies and whatever um I think like the entitlement to the the amount of information available is kind of what I think kind of what you were saying Carlos kind of is maybe a bad factor in some respects like the fact that you can see when people have last been on whatsapp or on snapchat or instagram like the active status is oh, it feels like, like, like the I know most people turn those off now but you know people that might still have them on and use them like quite seriously or check other people's and stuff mm, like that like mm, mm, it can mm. get it can get worrying as well it can get unhealthy to a point where like if you're checking a snapchat score or you're checking a last scene status it's just like it gets to the point where it's like this is too much information now <laughs> Yeah. I, I I do it like when I'm close with someone like in romantic relationships I just won't follow their social media and people initially will be like that's weird like why are you doing that and I just think yeah, I respect that that's their space and this is my space and like I don't I don't necessarily because I just know the kind of person I am and obviously when you're in a romantic relationship as well like you're so invested in that person you're so obsessed with that person right and it's kind of like I just know like if I was using social media I would just they'll be like the first person that I check for oh, what are they up to what have they posted all that kind of stuff and it can teeter on becoming unhealthy so I think it's really and also it, you know in a really in a romantic relationship where they are like the closest person to you it's so easy to become so codependent and so obsessed and like Mm. and so consumed by that relationship is so like important to have those boundaries that social media distance is is one of those ways to apply those boundaries and just to be like you know that's your space that's your thing and this is my my social media that's my space it's my thing it's my like you know away away from you away from the relationship so Mm. um that's another thing as well like the way that these these like you know social media mechanisms technology mechanisms allow for like hyper visible hyper visibility and surveillance um it can as you similar said become unhealthy yeah 
I think um, just to change the topic quick, I remember Halima right at the beginning, you said when you were asking Carlos about being like a fully formed individual before you step into the relationship. I wanted to say like, okay, I'm not in a romantic relationship, but I still want to speak on it. Um, but like, I feel like you don't have to be a fully formed individual and happy with yourself and like have resolved all your past trauma and like be aware of everything, but at least being aware and making progress and being aware of what progress you've made and like what progress is that is still to be made and how a relationship in your life will not affect that negatively but add to it positively and can help facilitate your growth while you also do the same for them yeah, yeah. it might be unequal at times but as long as you know over the long like over the long term it balances out and you know and, and you guys are good for each other and happy with each other then I think that's a good thing you don't have to be a fully formed healed individual yeah, like, coming into relationship, like ready for this relationship because yeah. they can happen whenever like you know they kind of everyone says you know what is it like they cut you all the time when you least expect it kind of thing like you know um so it's not about like shying away from that kind of stuff because you think that maybe you're not ready for one yet but it's more about like being able to carry on as an individual mm-hmm. in the relationship as well being your own person and not now being one half of a pair only like you're, you're just that's part of your identity and that's it yeah and you know what like going off of what you've just said I think there's a really kind of popular rhetoric about oh you can't you know you can't love someone else if you don't love yourself mm. and you, know, you can't expect someone to make you happy if you're not making yourself happy and you know you gotta you gotta have some sort of you gotta reach a certain level of self-love and self-awareness and 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 self-improvement and self-betterment before you actually enter a relationship with someone else and whilst I understand the sentiment of those things 100% there's a lot of internal work that you have to do that a relationship and a partner can't do for you I don't necessarily agree with the sentiment as a whole I think that this self-improvement the self-love the self-awareness thing is a constant you're gonna go you're gonna be going if if you are like you know unless you've got like three brain cells and you're just kind of happy go along with life not having any thoughts like you're gonna be going through self-improvement nice speaking to you guys (laughs) good night man sweet dreams keep putting off you know pursuing a, a relationship because you just don't feel ready yet you know like and 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 i think you know when people say like wrong per- right person wrong time slightly I feel like that just means it's the wrong person because if there was yeah. a situation where the person was right for you the circumstances would shift to, so that you could be with that person you know if it was a case if it was a situation where for example you know you weren't maybe yourself your level of self-love or your level of self-improvement wasn't quite there yet and you met someone who's that perfect for you in every way I believe if a person is actually right for you they would incentivize that you know they would incentivize and in turn expedite that process that that self-improvement process um so I, I think as well like some people shouldn't take that sentiment too literally and, and kind of yeah. put off and miss out on certain people just because they think that oh I'm not ready yet mm. um it's about finding the right partner who will help you go through that journey I think also with statements like that I definitely agree with what you just said but like they are in they can be toxic in that like our society models our image of our own self and our self-worth and how we value ourselves as people from the perspectives of other people with social media and likes and comments and you know how many followers you have in this new age like not only are we taught that our validation comes from external sources especially for like heterosexual females it's definitely rooted towards male validation as well I think like the male gaze is a very important thing to look at here when you and when you part statements like how can you love someone else when you don't love yourself it's kind of toxic in the sense of like 
you're not you're not giving people tools you're not setting societal no, structures in which people are taught how to love themselves they're not given that support you're just telling them to do it with no guidance and making it a cool quote because that's a good way to live your life but you need to unlearn things like getting your validation from external sources which is a very tough and long process to do I think especially as like a young female coming up when all your worth comes from comparing yourself to someone that looks like Kylie Jenner or someone that's heavily photoshopped or had a surgery or you know which is nothing's wrong with any of those things but you're taught to compare yourself to these things that are not always attainable and base your self-worth off very fickle things like likes and comments and follows. I think also as well going off what you said Simran about they, they don't give you the tools they just expect you to do it we can't understate how important community is in in um in in allowing you to reach self-love and self-improvement we cannot understate how much the love of other people and the support and the encouragement can incentivize that and and actually like facilitate that right like holding space I just I just think about myself and I think about all the self-improvement and all the self-learning that I've had to do over the years 1000% I would not be who I am today and I would not have been able to do what I've done if it wasn't for the people around me encouraging me like supporting me Mm. loving me through through those things exactly I think it's just so much easier said than done being like you can't love somebody without loving yourself like yeah you can say that but how yeah one process of it is grueling and it's unlearning like yeah two decades worth of like yeah where you get your own validation and self-image and self-worth from mm, mm, mm. and I think at the end of the day it, again I say as, as I kept saying at the base of it all is just grace it's understanding that we are all humans and therefore we are all susceptible to human fallibility and none of us are perfect all of us are in, in a constant you know state of um learning in a constant constant process of changing and, and improving who we are and another thing as well like I, I feel like um people there's again this very popular kind of rhetoric about um, you know don't lower your standards and <clears throat> don't don't teach a man and don't this and don't that and it's kind of like don't accept struggle love absolutely but you can't expect people because everyone has their own love languages everyone has their own compulsions everyone has their own complexes everyone <coughs> has their has their way that they like to be loved and that they they love themselves and I think that relationships where there's no grace in, in, in the sense that, oh, I'm not going to teach my partner how to love me. He should just know. That's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. Like, mm. if you like, you can't expect your partner to be psychic you, and then punish them when they're, when they're not psychic, when they haven't guessed. Like, you know, like women, women, I know like women are particularly bad for this, you know, like if they're, they're upset about something or they're in a mood about something, they'll just throw a strop and not communicate the thing that's upset them. Um, or that they'll want their partner to do certain things. For example, women feel like they shouldn't have to tell their partner, I like flowers, can you buy me flowers? I think that's ridiculous. Because is your partner psychic? Is your partner actually psychic? Like, if it's a different thing if you've told them, you know, I like flowers, I'd appreciate if you get, you know, surprise me with flowers every now and again, and they just never did. That's another thing. But for you to have never said anything and just expect that they will telepathically know that you want flowers, and then you get mad at them because they didn't telepathically pick up that you want flowers, that's nonsense. That's really, like, toxic. So, again, grace. Absolutely, absolutely, there is. Not only is there no shame in teaching people how how to love you, I think you need to do it. I think it's important. I think that's a quite a hot take. Well, it shouldn't be a hot take, but I think, like, this is the thing. I think, in general, I think we can agree that men, as a gender, um, need to do a bit better 
on average. However, um, I think what you just said in terms like not we're not we're not psychic. You know, yeah. what I mean, like you can't you can't expect the world um, just like that because like the speci- specificities of what an individual likes are based on getting okay. to know the person rather than like. And even getting to know the person, like that doesn't guarantee that you can read their mind. And I think if you're with someone and you can't, and you still find them hard to read, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, I think every relationship is different. Because our own needs as people like change with time, right? Like if I, if I, for example, like if I need a partner who can react to me in X way when I'm angry and we establish this when I'm 24 years old, in, in 10 years time when I'm 34 years old, I might need them to, to deal with me when I'm angry in a different way. But how would they know that if I have not communicated that? Yeah. So it's constant, you have to you have to be constantly willing to communicate. I know it's like the most basic advice ever, but you do, you have to be constantly willing to like, like there's no shame in it. It doesn't mean that, I know with women, <laughs> with women it's kind of, they, they, they do this thing where it's like, oh, well, if you wanted to, he would, or you know, if he really cared, like he'd just know. And it's like that's it's no it's not true like it's not that they don't want to they just don't know that you want it you know i think it's also um sometimes a sign of like good relationships that are going bad if you're in that situation because a lot of the time the reason why you're kind of expecting them to be psychic and know what you want is because you end up seeing them as part of yourself um, and you don't think of them as a different person, which is obviously it's negative because you need to respect and see them as an individual, but it's positive because you feel close enough and comfortable enough with them to actually see them like that. So I think yeah. as long as you recognize that and then sort of work on it, like, yeah. yeah. It's time for bed, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in today. Nice speaking to you guys. Good night, man. <laughs> Sweet <out>. dreams. <laughs> Sweet dreams to everyone that's listened to this at 6 p.m. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bye.